Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. My home is 16 years old and two-story. I had a new roof put on it about four years ago. The old roof had ridge vents on it, and the contractor did not put ridge vents on the new roof and said I didn't need them. I have one solar vent and a couple of whirly birds on the roof. My question is, should I put ridge vents back on the roof? It bothers me that there are only shingles protecting my roof where the ridge vents were previously. Your guidance would be greatly appreciated. Well, the first thing I'll tell you is you probably don't need to be worrying about the ridge because when a ridge vent is installed, they're basically cutting two inches down on each side. You'll be fine as far as just having the the shingles go up over the top and then the ridge over the top. You'd be amazed at how many times when you pull a roof off, there's an open gap up there anyways. But what concerns me more is your contractor combined a solar vent with the whirlybirds. You don't do that. You either put the solar vent or you put the whirlybirds, but you don't put both because when that solar vent kicks on, it's going to draw air from the path of least resistance. The closest opening is actually the whirly bird. So it's not going to pull air properly through the soffit vents. So in that sense, he didn't do right. But as far as the ridge itself, I wouldn't lose any sleep over that. I noticed lately that my aerobic septic sprinklers are coming on at times where there has not been recent water usage in the house to make the sprinklers kick on. Could there be a leak in one of the tanks that is allowing groundwater, etc., into the tank? Or is there a different explanation? Thanks. Well, it, 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 it can be two, it could be several things. And yes, a leak allowing groundwater into the system could be it, but right now it's been dry enough. We really aren't having the groundwater issue, so I don't think that's probably going to be it. And honestly, I have an aerobic system at my house. I have the same issue. And when I started looking into it, what most of the time is the cause, you got to remember, it's not one tank in there. There's actually three separate tanks, and it, the materials, the fluids, go from one tank to the other to be cleaned up. And so more than likely what's happening is you're simply getting fluid that's moving from one tank to the next, while you're not using water and it, it it's one of those things where yes it pops on and the the system once it gets to the point where you got to start pumping it out because you do have to pump the solids eventually it will tend to come on a little more often so i'm, I'm not saying it's time that you got to pump yours but you know with an aerobic system it does need to be periodically serviced it needs to have chlorine tablets put in and all that stuff and in, you're supposed to have a service that comes out and does that to check everything. So what I would recommend is you have them come out, check it, and just verify that everything is working all right. Bill, welcome to KTRH. How can I help you? Well, this is a multiple question about a 1,850-square-feet uh, patio we poured uh, about a year ago. Okay. My dear wife would like to know, and I would too, what covering would you suggest that we uh, put on, on the concrete to minimize the amount of 
dust and things that people walk in the house after they walk on the, on the slab, minimize the dust. That's the first question. Second question is, what kind of cloth covering would you suggest we put over it to minimize the, the heat? Okay, well, let's start with the dust. Is it dust that's blowing onto the concrete, or is that concrete releasing dust? Well, I don't know. I, I imagine it's, it's concrete releasing stuff. Because it shouldn't be. I mean, if it's outside and, you know, been rained on a few times and stuff, it, it should be all done releasing dust. You should be able to walk on that and not pick up anything. Well... We live on 60 acres of the cattle ranch, and I'm, I, I know there's oh, dust in the air that gets out yeah. there. Okay, so that, that's more than likely what it is. Uh, and, and, if, and the reason I was asking that question, regardless of what you put on it, if it is dust that settles onto the concrete, it's going to settle on whatever you put on there as well. So you'll still have the dust issue. It just may be a little easier to sweep it off and keep it clean because concrete has kind of a rough surface, rather porous, and so when dust does get on there, it doesn't just easily sweep off. As far as a coating that you can put on, take a look at Deitch Coatings, D-A-I-C-H, coatings.com. And they've got some coatings that you can apply onto the concrete that can soak into the concrete to seal it. Or a coating that you can put on if you want to put a color on it either way, but... Uh, it's just a good concrete product. Everything they make is is for that that type of applications, and uh, I think that would take care of keeping it where you can make it nice and clean. Your other question, as far as covering it, uh, are you worried about covering it so you don't get wet when it rains, or just covering it for sun protection? Primarily to keep the sun away. Okay. If it's primary for sun, the, the way to, to keep the temperature down is to use a wood cover. And you can put up one that uses either the lattice strips or uh, the regular crisscross lattice, either way. But, you know, wood doesn't take the heat the way a metal roof would. And so by just having gaps where you can still get some sunlight but the majority of it is covered by the wood. That, that'll drop your temperature tremendously, yet still keeps it nice and light underneath for, you know, if you want to just be able to read or whatever out there. Okay, great. All right, thank you. You bet. Bobby, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yeah, hi, Jim. Um, I had a, a water well dug at my, my place, and we've got to get electricity to it. And I've got a little garage apartment that's about 60 feet away. And I was wondering if I can run Romex, 8.3 Romex, through the attic and then into conduit and run it underground to the well house. You're going to do it yourself? Yeah. Okay. Ow. Can you run it through Romex and, and, the, and then into a conduit? Yes. Uh, because you only have to use the the materials according to the code for wherever you're installing. So the the code for installing in the building is going to be different than the code for installing outside. Uh, technically, 
you're supposed to have an electrician do the final hookups. You can okay, run the I, wires. I can, yeah, I can get an electrician to do the final hookup, but yeah. it's you know it's hard to get somebody that wants to do trenching and pull the wire and all that, yep. which I can do myself. Yes, and you know, and I'm just saying technically, I'll be I'll be totally honest with you. I would probably do it myself as well. Yeah. But for everybody okay. else listening, I have to have to also say what the <laughs> what the law says we're supposed to do. Um, yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah. you can absolutely put it in the, the 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 conduit. Make sure you bury it deep enough. The biggest mistake people make when they do these uh-huh. kind of projects is they don't follow the code itself as far as how deep they should be and stuff. Um, right. Go a minimum of eighteen inches. Minimum. A minimum of eighteen inches. Yes. Okay. Now, does this conduit need to be Schedule 80, or can I use Schedule 40? Uh, they make a regular electric conduit. Right. And, yeah, you just use that. You'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Glue it. All right. What, the other thing that sir? most people, make sure you glue the joints. Oh, you know, yeah. Uh, a lot of times people will just put it together because they think it's underground and they don't need to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, but it leaks, and you don't need the water in there if you don't have to have it in there. I agree. I agree. Okay. So and, of course, there are no joints underground, no splices in, in the wire. In the wire. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to get a 125-foot roll, and that will be more than I need. There you go. Of 8-3 Romex. Okay. Take care, well, I, Bobby. I, I, I really enjoy your show, Jim. Keep it up. Th- thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And here's the deal. We're supposed to pull permits. Even if you're a do-it-yourselfer, if it's something that requires a permit, you should pull a permit. So, like, with this electric work, I don't have an issue with Bobby digging his trench, putting in the wire and all that stuff. To keep it legal, all he would have to do is have the electrician come out, pull his permit, and do the final tie-ins and have it inspected. The inspectors are going to want to look at that trench with the conduit in it before you backfill it. So you'd want to keep that in mind. But to keep everything legal and safe and above board, especially if you're ever going to sell the place, which we all, regardless of what we think, we all will sell our home sooner or later because we won't live forever. So even if we're not selling it, our kids are, or our kids will be moving into it. Uh, so, to keep it legal, get your permits, get the inspections, and like I said, it's not that big a deal to have an electrician come out and hook up the two ends if you've done everything else. The other trades that you really got to make sure that you're using the licensed uh, people on, plumbing, air conditioning, uh, those, are, you know, those are the three big ones, electric, plumbing, and air conditioning that require a license in order to do repairs on the home. Does that mean you can't do a lot of this stuff yourself? Absolutely not. It just means for certain parts of it, you need to get it uh, inspected. I'm going to tile my kitchen countertops. They currently have Formica. Do I have to remove the Formica tops or can I lay the tile on top of them? And if yes, do I need to lay and I'm not sure what he's asking about. Uh, oh, I bet he's asking about does he need to lay a backer board material on top of the Formica 
before laying the tile. Well, you cannot put the tile straight down with regular mastics onto the Formica. It will not stick properly. However, you have two options. One is you can go ahead and put a concrete backer board on top of it. That's going to raise your height just a little bit and then you can go ahead and put your tile. The other option though if you go buy one of the floor and decor stores is they do make a tar-like substance. It comes in a roll. It's got a clear plastic wrap on both sides of it because it's extremely tacky. And basically you roll that out onto the tile or onto the Formica rather and you can use it on the backsplash as well and it serves two purposes one like I said it's extremely tacky so once you lay it down it's stuck because it's tar based it seals for water as well and once you've got it in place then you peel the top plastic off of it and you can go ahead and start setting your tile in place make sure you use spacers on it and don't try to shove the tiles around on there because the tar will scoot over, but then if you leave it sit for a few minutes, the, t the tar will start scooting back to where it was and it will take the tile with it. So basically start from your starting point, wherever you're going to start, put your first tile down, get it nice and square, start using the spacers and working your way out, just laying the tiles down. The advantage of using that tar mass, uh, rolls is as soon as you put your tile down, you're able to start grouting right away. So you don't have to wait for the mastics to dry and all that stuff. And uh, it does on your, like your backsplash, it's a moisture barrier. You don't have to worry about water going through it. So it does make it quick and easy to put the tile into place. Uh, and it does work well. I will tell you, I used that product in my house on the backsplash 15 years ago, and it's still holding just fine. So, like I say, you can pick that up at Floor and Decor. It comes uh, in 12-inch wide rolls, and you base, like I said, just lay it out, roll it on open, then you peel off the uh, clear foil that hold, you know, makes it where you can stick it straight down onto the formica, kind of like peeling a Band-Aid off. You know, when you when you put a Band-Aid on and then you pull the tab to to stick it on the rest of the skin. Very similar concept. Works great, Clint. This is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, yeah, thanks for taking the call. Um, you bet. I share a fence line with my neighbor, and we installed flower beds recently. And they started um, letting me know that the runoff underneath the wood fence is starting to bother them a little bit. And they requested that I put in some type of protector, to, uh, not to prevent the, the runoff from underneath the fence going into the yard, like the, the wood chips and all. Yeah. And they're also concerned about the, the rotting of the wood because I guess we're watering it more than normal over there now. And I just wasn't aware if there was a some type of product or a barrier that you could recommend to help me there. So when you put this in, are you up on going up the fence boards? I mean, you're not yes, just... Yes, Right okay. up against the fence board, yes, sir. Yeah. And, and that honestly is a big no-no uh, because it will cause that wood to start rotting. Now, okay. you can put some things in there to help with it, but even putting a protector there is going to cause moisture to stay against the, the wood that will short shorten the lifespan. Not that much, but it will shorten it some. 
here's your choices that you can use. Uh, you can get a concrete backer board, or you can just get uh, how tall? Let me ask. How 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 high up on the wood are you? Um, you know the fur. It's it's maybe three inches. It's not very tall. Okay. It's pretty low. Okay. Probably your easiest then is rather than getting a uh, backer board, go get you some hardy one by four trim boards mm-hmm. because they're concrete based. Run those along that bottom edge. Okay. It doesn't rot. It it holds. It should hold the material from washing out from underneath as long as you can come all the way down to the native ground with it, yeah. and that should take care of your problem. Awesome. Okay. And, and if I'll if the, if the one by three isn't enough, uh, you can. They do make a one by six as well. Okay. Understood. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you, it. You bet, Clint. Take care. Take care. Hey, Cl- oh, Clint. One other thing, and and this is for everybody listening. Anytime you change something on your property, you have to control the direction that the water goes. You cannot let water go onto a neighbor's property. Uh, In most cities, that violates the codes, but even in the state, it violates codes. That's the reason you're seeing so many retention ponds and things being built nowadays, because it has become very, very... uh, nitpicky as far as controlling where water flows and goes and any water that hits your property you must control how it flows off your property so it is critical that you go ahead and take care of those kind of things because there is a, a legal obligation there as well now this one comes in from hank and hank says he needs a new land ideas Hey there, Jim. After seven years post-nasty divorce, I was finally able to afford a small piece of land on Lake Tawakini. What would you build on a low budget? Please consider the area, my surroundings. I was thinking about barnuminium, pole barn, metal building. I would like a two-bedroom, two-bath, and a nice garage man cave. Possible total 1,300-square-foot building. Thanks for the show, Hank. Well, Hank, I think you're heading down the right track. I would personally be looking at the Barnuminium. Uh, they've got some really nice metal buildings out there that are extremely affordable right now. Uh, Mueller Metal Buildings, they're actually putting out designs for metal buildings uh, to be used as Barnuminiums. Or you can just get a standard metal building and build it out yourself inside. But there are a lot of choices, and I will talk about that a little bit more after we come back. Let me finish on talking about building 1,300 square feet at a reasonable price. And you were talking about on Lake Tawakini, maybe a metal building. Well, that is exactly what I would look at. I wouldn't do a pole barn. I would do a metal building because you've got a regular foundation then. Turn it into a barnuminium. And it's really inexpensive. I would take a look at a 30 by 40. Now, you said something totaling 1,300 square feet. The reason I would look at 30 by 40, that gives you 1,200 square feet. But if you do it with the higher walls, you can actually have two stories. So you could put bedrooms upstairs, living area downstairs, or you can put one uh, living area downstairs, one bedroom upstairs, and a sitting area upstairs, so you can have some separation of things. That leaves you a big chunk of it, and you, know, you can have a third of it then as shop space. 
and I've got my office set up that way. Uh, I ha I bought the building from Mueller. We built it. I've got a third of it set up as office. I'm, I'm sorry. I've got two thirds of it set up as office, and a third of it as our shop works out wonderfully. Now, some key things. I would use a radiant barrier. So what you do is the framework of the building goes up. Use the bubble wrap type radiant barrier, and you can talk with the folks over at uh, DFW Radiant Barrier and Insulation about it. They can help you as far as getting the right radiant barrier. But you put that on over the framework, then the sheet metal goes on, so it holds the radiant barrier in place. That will help drop the temperature a good 10 to 15 degrees in your shop area, which also helps make your home itself more energy efficient. The other advantage of using a metal building, when you build out inside, instead of only having a 2x4 wall to put insulation in, you typically end up with about 16 inches. So you can have a good insulation in the walls using fiberglass insulation, which is relatively inexpensive, but makes the home very energy efficient. So hopefully that helps you uh, head down the right road on it. But that that is exactly what I would do. In fact, that is exactly what I've done. So Hank, I hope that uh, gets you started on that. And and one other thing on it, you know, the nice thing about that is you can do it in stages. Get the metal building up. You could build the downstairs so you can be staying in it, and you can finish off the upstairs later if you'd like. So, again, it just it just gives you a lot of options on what to do with it. Got an email question regarding a swimming pool leak. Who do you refer for swimming pool leaks? Well, if... The hardest part, most of the time, for a swimming pool leak is finding the leak. So the company I typically recommend to locate where the leak is, is American Leak Detectors. And they'll come out, pinpoint where the leak is, then you can have either your pool guy or a plumber come in and do the repair if you'd like. But the, the thing is, American Leak Detectors has some specialty equipment that helps them locate exactly where the leaks are. And in pool systems, it can be very difficult to find. If your pump, you know, where your filter is, you got that little clear dome top over by the pump. If you're getting a lot of bubbles in that, that typically means you've got a leak in your system somewhere coming from the skimmer back over to where that filter is or to, to where that uh, trap is. If the leak is after that, well, you're typically not going to see the bubbles there, but you're going to have a wet spot and you're going to start losing water to the pool. And here's the difference. The first section going from the skimmer to that cleaner is a suction line. So when you're seeing those bubbles, that means it's sucking air into the system. The only time that one's going to be leaking is when the pump is off. The rest of the time it's pulling and sucking in air so it keeps you from losing water. On the discharge side, you're losing water because it's under pressure going out and so it's pushing the water out. Both of them will leak when the pool is sitting dormant and the pumps are off. So it's one of those things that... If you're losing a lot of water, and, he, and here's how you can tell if you're losing water in your pool. Take a five-gallon bucket, 
fill it with water, mark the level on the bucket, and float it in the pool. The pool has to have a mark on it as well for where the water level is. Through evaporation, both the five-gallon bucket and the pool should drop the same amount. So if your water level in a week goes down a half inch, it should go down a half inch in the bucket and in the pool itself. If the bucket goes down a half inch but the pool went down an inch and a half or an inch and a quarter or something like that, you got a leak. Cheryl, you're going to be the last call of the day. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. Yes. Uh, we used to have a house 22 years old and are having to replace the glass in the, the double-pane windows because the seal uh, is compromised. Yes. And, of course, they were builder-grade windows, but is that something you expect regardless? Or are there, what kind of windows can you put in that if that's not going to happen to you? Well, the, the old double-pane glass that they were using on those builder grades, what they started having a problem with was the material that they used to go around it. There's a rubber seal there, and then they were putting aluminum over that rubber seal, and the expansion and contraction broke those seals, and that's when you start getting the discoloration and, and fogginess that you get. Uh -huh. So the newer windows... We're not having the same issues. Uh, I won't tell you that you won't ever have an issue with a window because if a seal does break, and it can happen, you will have a, an issue with it. But most newer windows come with a lifetime warranty on glass breakage and such. And uh, so if the seals do break, it would normally be taken care of. Right. Well, I guess we made a mistake then just replacing the glass, you know, but I don't know. But anyway, that's what we did. <laughs> well, what, like what you'll find is if you just if you replace the wind, the whole window with, with the new modern windows, they're actually a lot more energy efficient as well because the glass panels are further apart and uh, just the framework and everything is more energy efficient also. I got you. But that music means I am out of time. Okay, so, Cheryl, well, have a you. great weekend. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.